I awoke in the early morning darkness. I was laying on a mattress that was laid on the floor. I stared at the ceiling in my little bedroom of a, a little apartment that I lived in. My, my mind, it was flooded with thoughts of, of the past few months, thoughts keeping me from sleep. I laid there thinking about everything that had been happening. I'd quit my good paying job. I had sold everything I had. I left everything I knew. And I moved to follow this dream that I had of, of working and living in Puerto Rico as a teacher. I knew when I moved there, I wasn't going to make a lot of money. I knew that there would be times when I'd be lonely because I was so far from my family and my friends. But I felt like it's what God wanted me to do. So off I went chasing after this dream that I thought was going to be perfect. But early that morning, as, as I laid in the darkness, I, I couldn't help but think. I couldn't help but wonder about everything that had gone wrong. Well, why was nothing going the way I planned? Why was everything so difficult? Why was everything not perfect? Eventually, I get up to my feet. I go, I take a shower, I get dressed. I, I stare at myself in the mirror as I brush my teeth and I could just see the sadness in my eyes. But I, I look away as I, I spit the toothpaste into the sink. I think to myself, no breakfast today. All, all I have is a box of mac and cheese. I'm saving that delicacy for dinner tonight. Uh, but tomorrow I'll get paid. Tomorrow things will be better. I, I can go buy groceries. Things, things are going to get better. It's going to be okay. I would tell myself that, but I, I didn't know. I remember leaving, closing the apartment door, going down the stairs. I, I see the gate. I open the gate and there beyond the gate is my car, my 1998 Kia Sophia. It was purple and it was not perfect. Uh, one more imperfect thing added to my imperfect life in a land that was far from home. The driver's side door on the car did not work. So I waited as a neighbor passed by in their car. And then I headed to the passenger side and I crawled in to the driver's side. I, I, I tried to start the car. Doesn't start. Try to start again. It doesn't start. I, I breathe in deep. I exhale. I turn the key. And thankfully, it starts. Uh, I make my way through the busy streets of morning with morning traffic in San Juan. Everyone with their own destinations. Everyone with their own imperfections occupying their lives. I get to the school where I work. I, I park my car where I usually park and I, I just kind of sit there for a moment and, and just kind of stare off, lost in the days, feeling trapped in that early morning darkness still. Uh, I took a deep breath. I exhaled and I, uh, I got out of my car. I started to head into the school and, and then my mind, it was full of tiny little voices saying, good morning, Mr. Clark. Uh, good morning, everyone. I, I said as I, I passed them all by, headed to my classroom. Had I stopped and, and actually looked at their faces, I probably would have seen confusion on all of their faces because usually in the mornings, once I got to school, I would spend time with them in the yard as they played. We'd talk, we would laugh, we'd be excited for the day. But that day, I did not feel excited. I did not feel like laughing. I did not feel like talking. So I went to my classroom. 
Uh, I closed the door behind me. I sat in my chair and I placed my head on my desk. And the rest of that day, I just moved through the day like a zombie, lost in thought. My vision was blurred by my constant obsession about what had been going wrong, about what was not perfect. Eventually, the day ended. All the kids had gone home. And once again, I was all alone. I made my way to my car. I crawled into the passenger side, sat in the driver's seat. I turned the key. Car starts right up. Oh my gosh, miracles do happen, I thought to myself. I sit for a moment just kind of staring at the steering wheel. The voice of my mom, it was ringing in my ear before I had moved, before I left the States months before I was standing in my, my, my parents' kitchen and she hugged me so tight and whispered in my ear, you are going to bless so many people. But, but I sat there in that key of Sophia wondering where was that blessing? I did not feel blessed with everything that was happening with the struggle I was going through, I was not blessed. So how could I bless others? And where exactly are you, God? Why is this happening, God? What are you doing, God? Where are you hiding? I was struggling to see the possibility of anything ever getting better. Eventually, I put the car into drive. I'm ready to drive away and head back to my little apartment. Uh, I look out the, 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 to the left, out the driver's side window, and I see a glint. There's something shining that, that catches my eye. We all experience moments in life where nothing seems perfect. We experience moments where it can feel like nothing is going the way that we had planned. Because what do we know about life? Life, it is unpredictable. You can think that you have it all figured out. You can think that you have the perfect plan. And then just like that, everything changes. Sometimes it can feel like it's just one thing after another. And it just keeps happening over and over, reminding you that life is not perfect, reminding you that life is unpredictable. Sometimes it's the little things, right? Sometimes your check engine light comes on in your car, uh, the, the dog throws up on the couch, uh, your teenager is in a bad mood again. Sometimes it's the big things. Uh, the loss of a loved one, an unexpected diagnosis, you lose your job, you, there's a relationship in your life that fails. We are met with this onslaught of imperfections and it can leave us staring up at the ceiling in the dark, impossibly imperfect situations flooding our minds with thought. Our vision becomes blurred as we move through life with our vision distorted, our perception all messed up. As we face the imperfections of life, we begin to ask questions. Why is this happening, God? What are you doing, God? Where exactly are you, God? Struggling to see, struggling to understand exactly what's happening. We ask these questions because of our blurred vision. We're, we're trying to comprehend exactly what we're looking at. Trying to understand uh, how do we navigate this unpredictable life where it, when it seems like everything just seems to always go wrong. Instead of feeling blessed, we begin to feel cursed, cursed with darkness, cursed with pain, cursed with question after question, cursed with what seems impossible. Is there something that we're missing? 
Is there something that could help us see things a little bit differently? Something that could shift our perspective? What corrective lenses do we need to start seeing the blessing in life? Uh, How do we reduce our blurred vision and start seeing things with clarity? Is there a glint of light in the dark that can give us some hope? In the book of John, we, we find a man, he, he's sitting on a path, he's, he's sitting all alone. The, the sounds of a busy street, they overwhelm him. He listens intently as, as people just pass him by. He's trapped in a darkness, unable to see anything at all. He has been blind since birth. All his life, uh, this darkness, it's all he's known. He's never seen the smile on his mother's face. He's never seen the pride in his father's eyes. He's never seen the beauty of light pushing through tree branches as the sun rises. All he knows is absence, absence of light, absence of choice, absence of hope. And during that time, if you were born blind, you were viewed to have an impossible condition. There was no hope that you would ever get better. So there he sat on that path, begging for money, feeling like he had no other choice but to just sit here and and beg for his livelihood. In an impossibly imperfect situation, he sits there waiting for people to pass him by, people to give him notice. Maybe he wonders how how different his life would be if he could only see. Maybe through his mind, he continues to go through the questions, why, what, where. Suddenly, uh, the man, he hears voices approaching him. He holds out his hands towards the voices as they approach. But then eventually, he starts to realize that these men who are are stopped in his presence, now these men, they are talking about him. Here's what the Bible says. As Jesus went along, he saw a man who was blind. He had been blind since he was born. Jesus' disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Was this man born blind because he sinned or or did his parents sin? Now now, now Jesus sees this man, this man that people would would often just walk by, not even noticing Jesus. He sees this man and Jesus, he stops in his presence. The disciples, they start to ask questions. The disciples, they ask the question, who? Who caused the way this man is? Who's at fault for the imperfection this man has been experiencing all his life? Who is to blame? Have you been there? During an impossibly imperfect situation, often when things don't go the way we plan, we start looking for where to place the blame. We start looking for the source, the source of the curse, someone to blame for all the pain. Just like the disciples, we are met with this confusion, struggling to understand why, where, what, who, struggling to see the goodness, struggling to see the blessing in an impossibly imperfect situation. Jesus, though, he sees the whole situation differently. And it's here in this text that we can start to see a glint, a glint in the dark that catches our eye. As we see things the way Jesus sees things, it can aid us in shifting our perspective. Jesus, he he replies to the disciples, uh, clarifying the situation. He tells the disciples that the man was not born blind because of some form of sin. It's just the imperfection of this world. 
But even now, even in a situation that seems impossible, Jesus is saying that the work of God, the glory of God, it can still be shown. And I love the way that it's translated in the Message Bible. Here's what it says. Jesus said, you are asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here. Working while the sun shines. When night falls, the workday is over. For as long as I am in the world, there is plenty of light. I am the world's light. Jesus, he, he, he sees this moment as an opportunity. Jesus, he sees this moment with possibility. He, he sees that this moment, it has potential, opportunity, possibility, and potential for the power of God to work. Jesus is saying, though you view this as an impossible situation, though you are struggling to see the blessing, shift your perspective and instead look for what God can do. Jesus is inviting the disciples to shift the way they are seeing the situation, inviting them to look for how God could work. Even in the life of a man born blind. Uh, now, can you imagine the blind man while all this is happening, listening to this conversation as it happens? And maybe for some reason, he, he starts to feel comforted by the voice of Jesus. And then as the blind man sits, as, as he's engulfed in darkness, he begins to hear movement. He begins to hear the shuffling of feet. He begins to feel a presence that is right next to him. And at this point, Jesus, he is kneeling down in the dirt. He is getting on the same level as the blind man kneeling in the dirt, getting close to the blind man. The blind man is sits eagerly waiting, not, not knowing what's going to happen. Wondering what this man who's sitting so close to him is, is going to do. And, and then in a moment, he feels it. He feels the touch of Jesus. Jesus is touching his face. Jesus is putting something on his eyes. Here's what the Bible says. After saying this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seen. Now, now we might find this technique kind of strange, right? Jesus spit, what the heck? But back then, uh, saliva was viewed to have medicinal purposes, even uh, with working with an eye. So people in the ancient world would watch this and, and think it nothing of it. But what exactly is Jesus doing though? Because with a blink of an eye, he could have healed this man. With not even a thought, not even an action, he could have healed this man. He, he could have done a little jig and healed the man. But here he is getting close to the man. He's getting on the same level as the man. He is getting into the dirt with the man. Jesus is working the spit and the dirt into a clay-like substance. And as he places that clay on the blind man's eyes, without a doubt, that blind man, he can feel the weight of the substance that has been placed on his face. Without a doubt, he can understand that something is being done to him. And then Jesus, he says, go and wash. Jesus speaks into this impossibly imperfect situation. Jesus sees the possibility for the work of God to take place. 
And Jesus touches the blind man and gives him instructions to follow. In doing so, Jesus, he is giving this blind man a choice. A man who has probably felt he's lived his whole life absent of choice. Now in the presence of Jesus, he is given the gift of choice. And the man, without hesitation, he chooses to follow Jesus's command. Can you see him? Maybe he's, he's finding his way along the wall, trying to find his way to the pool, maybe shouting for people around him. Hey, hey, hey can you help me pop, find the way to the pool of Siloam? I have to get there. Uh, can you feel the hope that is rising up inside of this man? And eventually when he gets to the pool, he has nothing to lose by trusting and obeying the commands of Jesus. So he plunges his face into the water and then he lifts his head out of the water and he starts to slowly wipe away the clay-like substance from his eyes. And maybe he continues to squint, but then slowly he begins to open his eyes little by little. And then the glints of light just begin to pour into this darkness that had surrounded his life. Imagine the wonder, imagine the joy that abounded in him as he looked around. He begins to place sounds with what he's seen, sounds that he has heard all of his life. Now he has seen them in action. Dogs barking, kids playing, uh, the shuffling of feet on the ground, the, the leaves blowing in the wind. His eyes are open wide and he sees everything. The world is brand new to him. No longer is he feeling stuck in darkness, stuck in absence. But now he basks in the light of God's good work. Now he basks in the good power of God. The Bible says he goes home. He goes to where he was living, wherever that was. The people who lived near him, the people that would often see him maybe begging on the street. They say, who is this man? They don't believe he's the same man. Uh, how do you see now? How are you no longer blind? How did this change? No longer was his head down. No longer was he having to use the walls to, to find his way through life. But now after experiencing the presence of Jesus, after seeing, the after seeing firsthand of what God could do, his head, it was held high and his, his face, it was full of joy. Jesus had stepped into this impossibly imperfect moment and seen the opportunity for the glory of God to be shown. He gave the blind man a choice, a choice to see things from a different perspective, a choice to participate in his own healing, a choice to look and see what God could do. As I sat in that 1998 Kia Sophia, purple, by the way, <laughs> thinking of everything that was not perfect. I was ready just to go home, ready to just stare at the ceiling more. I, I look out the driver's side window. I see a glint. I see a, an elderly woman walking down the street. I, I'd seen her passing by the school the past few weeks. Uh, I always noticed her. I always noticed that she looked tired. She, she was always sweaty as if she had been walking a long distance. I, I could see sadness in her eyes. I could see that she was lost in a daze. And there was something inside of me saying, go offer her a ride. I said, are you crazy? <laughs> uh, that's so far out of my comfort zone. She probably doesn't even speak English. 
Why would I do that? But as I watched her, as I looked at her, this compassion just continued to stir inside of me, causing me to eventually act. I climb outside of the passenger side of the car. I go up to her and I, I offer her a ride home. I, I, can I take you home? I, I start to talk to her, try to communicate. I, I'm pointing at my shirt, letting her know I, I work at the school. I'm not some crazy person. I promise. I know it looks like I'm crazy. Uh, eventually she agrees. We, we head to the car. I crawl through the passenger side. She stops and kind of looks confused. Uh, then she gets in <clears throat> and I tell her, you know, just direct me to where to go. Just point and, and I'll go. She understands. We, we start to communicate a little bit and she starts to show me where to go. We're going on this street, then that street. Um, eventually we, we get to a grocery store. Um, I park in front of the grocery store. It's a grocery store that's in like the middle of San Juan. So it's like a mom and pop shop. Um, I'm confused at what we're doing there. Maybe this is where she lives. She tells me to wait. I say, okay. She gets out, goes into the grocery store and she's in there for a bit. I'm just sitting there not knowing what's happening. Eventually she comes out of the grocery store, arms full of groceries. Store clerk is behind her. His arms are full of groceries as well. Uh, they get to the car. I open the passenger door. They put the groceries in the back seat. She climbs in and, and she starts to direct me where to go again. And at this point, I'm confused. I thought I was taking her home. Now she's going to the grocery store. What is happening? Um, I was a little distracted as well <clears throat> because at the grocery store, she had come out with, uh, she had purchased a, a long piece of bread. In Puerto Rico, they make this delicious bread. It's kind of like French bread. It's super long, but it's so good. But that bread, it was coming out of the backseat and it was coming right past my head the whole time. It was just slapping me in the face the whole time we were turning and, and driving. It was just hitting me in the head. Well, I'm just thinking, I'm just going to get this lady to where she's going, drop her off, and then I will be done. Uh, so we continue to drive. Eventually, we get to a house. Okay, this is where she lives. Great. She gets out. I start to get out. She says, wait. She closes the door. I look confused. She goes to the door, knocks on the door, goes inside, and I just sit there thinking, what's going on? Eventually, she comes out of the house. She's holding something close to her chest. I can't tell what it is at first, but once she gets closer to the car, I realize it's a dead chicken. She's going to bring a dead chicken into my 1998 Kia Sophia. <laughs> Whatever, get in, let's go. Let me take you home. What's going on? So we, we continue to drive. She's showing me where to go. <clears throat> and in that moment, I, couldn't, I did not think it could get any weirder, but I was wrong. All of a sudden, I hear, Bagok! The chicken is alive. And that chicken, it starts freaking out. It's going nuts. It's just going crazy. And I'm no animal expert. But in my mind, if you have a chicken in an enclosed space that is freaking out, the thing you don't want to do is let it go. But this lady, she lets it go. And that chicken, it's just bouncing all around the car. At one point, it lands on my shoulder. I'm trying to knock it off with the bread that's going past my face. It falls in my lap. I about wet my pants. But by the strength, by the strength of God, I lift it and throw it into the back seat with the groceries. And I start to drive as fast as I can, trying to get to the end of this journey. Um, eventually, we, we get back 
to where we started. We get back to right by the school. <laughs> and that's when I realized she's always walking by the school because she lives right next to the school. When I offered her the ride, she was literally standing in her driveway. She was home. And so I, you know, whatever, at this point, I am done. She gets out, I get out, she gets the chicken because I was not touching that thing. I get the groceries, I, I take the groceries, I put them in front of her gate. And she just starts saying over and over, Dios te bendiga, Dios te bendiga, God bless you. Gracias, thank you. I just say, no problem. Have a good day. I get in my car, I drive away, and I think I'm never helping anyone else again in my life. <laughs> a couple days later on Sunday at church, I found out that that elderly woman's husband had actually died about a month before that. He had been the one that would often go and do the groceries, the errands, the, the chickens. Um, and she had been struggling to, to figure out how to do everything since he had passed away. And then one day, here comes this <laughs> weird guy falling out of a Kia Sophia out the passenger side, offering her a ride. But I, but I heard that, and in my perspective, it began to change. Uh, I began to look at the situation and smile, but beyond that, I began to see it in a different light. I began to see it as the work of God. I began to see it as a moment that even though things weren't going the way I planned, even though things were not perfect, God, he was at work and his glory, it would not be contained. Every, every time, I, this, the next Monday, the next day, I, I head to school, I'm getting, I parked in the same spot, I'm getting out of the car and she's at her gate. And she's calling me over. And this happened every time uh, for a year. For every time I would show up at the school, she would always be calling me over to her gate. And that day she, gra she grabbed my hand and she said, Dios te bendiga, Dios te bendiga, God bless you. And then she handed me a container of food. And every time I saw her, every time she was always wanting to give me a container of food, always wanting to bless me, look for what God can do. We get so stuck staring at the ceiling, stuck in all the questions, wondering why, what, where, who. Our vision blurred as we fail to find the blessing in life when all along the blessing, it is there. The blessing, it is in the midst of what is not perfect. We just have to shift our perspective to see it. We have to look for what God can do. Sometimes that means reminding ourselves God is near. Sometimes that means reminding ourselves that Jesus is bending down, getting close to us, bending down into the dirt with us. Jesus, he's reaching into our impossibly imperfect situations. He's holding our face in his hands. He is providing us with what we need. And we can tell without a doubt that something is being done to us. Something is changing. He is strengthening us as he, we endure the difficulty. He is calling us to follow his voice, follow his commands, to trust and obey him. Calling us to go and wash, wash away the doubt. 
Wash away the fear, wash away the sadness. And as we do, as we look through the lens of Jesus, our eyes, they are open wide and we see everything. We find a brand new world. No longer do we hang our heads in sadness, but because of Jesus, we hold our heads high in gladness. For our perspective, it is shifted. And now we know that we are surrounded. We are not surrounded by darkness, but instead we are surrounded by love. We are surrounded by grace. We are surrounded by compassion. And through that love, through that grace, through that compassion that we receive because of Jesus, God, he is pouring his comfort into us. Here's what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble. Don't miss that part. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Jesus, he suffered just like us. Jesus, he found himself in an impossibly imperfect situation when he was arrested. And as Jesus was punished for doing nothing wrong, as Jesus endured the pain, one thing after another happening to him, as Jesus was stripped naked, as, as Jesus was beaten, as his beard, beard was forced out by the roots, as a crown of thorns was pressed unto his head, as Jesus was nailed to the cross, nail after nail after nail. And as that cross was raised into the air, as Jesus hung in pain, we were on his mind. He took all of our imperfections, all of our sin, all of our mistakes, all of our shame. He bore it on the cross for us. And as he bled, as he endured the pain, as he hung there to die in discomfort, what was on his mind was the comfort that we would receive because of his sacrifice. And today we know for a fact what our God can do because we know what our God has already done. Because by the power of God, three days later, Jesus, he rose from the dead, allowing the glory of God to be shown, putting the curse of pain, the curse of shame, the curse of sin and death. He put it all in the grave. And that's what our God can do. And Jesus Christ, he is God's ultimate blessing to us. Because of Jesus, we are blessed by grace. We are blessed by peace. We are blessed by joy. Because of Jesus, God, he rushes to us. He rushes to provide. He rushes to sustain. He rushes to give us comfort. Bringing us together during those impossibly imperfect situations so we can comfort one another, so we can bless one another. Dios te bendiga. So that we can see that even when things seem impossible, we serve a God through all things are absolutely possible. The glint of his love, it is all around us. The glint of his grace, it is there calling us to join together. The glint of his compassion, it brought two random strangers together. 
two strangers that were experiencing impossibly imperfect situations of their own. He brought us together, allowing us to bond over a car ride with a crazy chicken. Bonding by the comfort and the blessing of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite moments in, in the Bible story that we talked about, the, the story from John 9. Um, it's a long story. It's so much depth to it, so I couldn't share the whole thing. But this, this man, he came back seen. People didn't believe it. Who is this guy? This is not the same guy who was sitting and begging that we pass by every day. And they started to question him. The Pharisees, they, they brought him before them and they wanted to know what happened. Are you this man? They wanted this man to tell them bad things about Jesus. They wanted this man to admit that Jesus was a bad person, but he refused. Eventually the man, he says, you know what? I don't know much, but what I do know is I was blind, but now I see. The Pharisees, they did not like that. They began to heap insults on him. They began to tell him that you were surrounded in sin since you were born. And they kicked him out of church. Told him to get out of their sight. They refused to see. They refused to believe. But after all of that, this man, eventually he finds himself back in the presence of Jesus. Eventually he finds himself conversing again with Jesus. This man that had told him to go and wash Here's what the Bible says. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when they found him, now don't miss this part. This is an important part. We could just read right past it, not even think twice. When he found him, Jesus heard what happened. And Jesus, he went looking for the man. When Jesus found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? Uh, the man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus, he is asking us that same question today. Do you believe in the son of man? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe in the resurrection power that that power, it can work in your life? Do you believe it can impact whatever situation you're facing? Because no matter what imperfection we're facing, no matter how impossible it seems, when we view it from the lens of Jesus, we can look for what God can do. We can look for the glint. We can look for the hope. And we have to stop asking question after question. We have to stop looking for who to blame. And instead, we simply declare, I believe. I believe, God, I believe that even though this situation seems impossible, I believe that you can work through it. I believe, God, that your glory can be shown no matter what. Even when things aren't going the way I plan, I believe. I believe that your power, God, it can be infused in this situation. I believe, God, in what you can do. I believe because of everything you have already done. I believe. We believe and we rest in the presence of Jesus. We rest in the blessing of Jesus. We rest in his hands, eagerly waiting to see what he does next. 
We are not perfect in life. It is definitely not perfect, but we know that our Jesus, he is perfect. So we know we are in good hands. We were blind, but now through Jesus, we see everything. And as we see everything, we bask in God's good power and we can look for what God can do. Because here's what we know again about life. It's unpredictable. People all around us, maybe there's people you know that are just in these impossibly imperfect situations, struggling to see the glint. Um, and so that's a reason we wanted to join and do something for the school district this weekend or this year, this year. The next couple of weeks, we're accepting donations. And it, it's something that's dear to my heart because for years and years and years, um, my mom was in charge of, of the, the school drive every year. Uh, she was passionate about it. She wanted to give people dignity. She wanted, uh, she only charged $5 so that people could come and they felt that dignity of giving the money and buying the supplies for their kids. That compassion, it rose inside of her. And so she wanted to do something, but now with her condition, she can no longer do it. So there's some amazing women in this church that have come together to make sure it happens this year. Um, and this year we, we've connected with the school district and we just want to know what, what they need. And they've told us like one of the biggest things they need are, are, are gently used shoes or new shoes because there's kids in middle school, kids in high school that, that don't have shoes. So they want to have what is some available so that they can give them out when it's needed, or you can go to the Amazon wish list. There's other supplies there that you could purchase, but we want to do this together as a family so that we could comfort any of those who are in trouble so that we can comfort them with the love of Jesus, not for our own benefit, not so that we get the recognition, but so that they can see the glory of God work in their lives. There's a, and I'm already out of time, but there's a moment up there when during worship, I was standing next to my wife and there's a moment Gracie just stopped singing and you could just hear your voices just raising up to the ceiling, raising to God. And it brought tears to my eyes. This is what our church is about. This is our vision transforming this state line area for the glory of God, gathering together as a family and leaving this place, declaring that we know what God can do. And as we partner with him, we know what will be done. And as we donate, whatever we donate, whether it's shoes or whatever, we can declare, God, I believe as I make this donation, I believe that you can step into this impossibly imperfect situation, whatever this person is facing, whatever this teacher is facing. I believe that you can work through it. I believe that your glory, it could still be shown. So if you'd stand with me now, before I get kicked out of here, um, I'd love to pray with you. If you've come today and you just feel like you are in an impossibly imperfect situation and you are aching, you are yearning for the touch of Jesus in your life and you would like prayer today, we will be down here to pray with you today. Uh, if you've come today and you've just felt the stirring of the Holy Spirit inside of you and you've heard the voice of Jesus telling you to go and wash and you would like to be baptized, 
to be dunked into the water and raised out with your eyes open wide, seeing everything new. We will baptize you today. The water is ready. But if you would pray with me now, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we come before we we come before you. We know that you are capable, you are able, you are sovereign, you are in control. So I pray for my friends, I pray for my family here, God, that whatever they're facing in their life, whatever seems impossible, whatever seems imperfect, I pray as they leave today that they would look for what you can do, that they would put their faith and their trust in you to work into that situation. And we know, God, that you don't always take the situation away, but you give us the comfort so that we can stay, so that we can endure, so that we can remain. And we pray that today that you would give us that comfort. You would give us all that we need so that we could continue to believe without a doubt that all your promises are true. And, and we thank you for Jesus, God, who, who through all things are possible. We thank you for the love, the grace, and the compassion that we receive. And we pray that we could go out today and we could share that love, share that grace, and share that compassion. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.